Did you notice the words to that? It starts out with, uh, what's it start out with, Eli? <laughs> yeah. Said the night wind to the little lamb. And then the lamb talks to the shepherd boy. And the shepherd boy talks to the king. And the king talks to the people everywhere. Somewhere in there, there's a child. There's passing along of what they hear. Do you hear what I hear? And they respond to it by sharing it with everyone. This week is one of those weeks that we've... Uh, got through the Christmas Eve candlelights. We're in Christmas tide, the time between Christmas proper and Epiphany. And there's a couple of stories in the Bible that we might not um, be very familiar with. In fact, many of the Gospels don't mention the time between the birth and his ministry. Some don't mention his birth at all, as you know. Um, but in Luke, there is this one story that I wanted to share with you today. It's a story about uh, a new family coming to the temple. New because the child had just been born and they're presenting their baby. And they've been through a whole lot. They've been traveling. They uh, birthed a child in a strange place. Um, they can hardly believe it at all. And then they walk in and some old guy takes their baby. <clears throat> Think about a family bringing their first child to a church for baptism or christening or something like that. This mix of awe and wonder and exhaustion. Everything is new. And at the same time, everything can be a bit terrifying. So what happened after the birth? In Luke, we find two stories, one about the time after birth and then Jesus as a child in the temple. But today we're going to focus on the time when he was just a week or so old. And we're going to read from Luke 2, starting with chapter, uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 21 through 24. When eight days had passed, Jesus' parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus. This was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for their ritual cleansing, in accordance with the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I want to share that this passage that, we, that I just read tells us that this is a very devout family. This is a family that understands coming every year, which we learn in the next, kind of next couple of passages. They follow the law. They respond to the call. They respond to what they believe is important, what God has called them to, and they've come to present and listen to God's instructions. God's instructions through the angel were to name this child Jesus. They've done that. And why are they presenting at the temple? Why are they there? Well, the first, firstborn son belongs to God. That is one of the rules and, and the laws in uh, Exodus and uh, further in Leviticus. And there's a, another law 
that uh, we don't follow today, but there's a purification law that says for 33 days after a birth, the woman is deemed unclean, and she couldn't touch anything holy or enter the sacred area until after that time. So Mary is coming to step into this pool of water to cleanse according to tradition and law. It's a high holy time for them that, that brings together the family once again and presents Jesus in the temple as a firstborn to dedicate his life to God. And these turtle doves that we speak, it tells us that they are, it, it tells us that they are a family in poverty. Because normally a sacrifice would be a lamb. But the law provides that if economically the family cannot afford that, they can, they can sacrifice two turtle doves. The doves are allowed for those who couldn't afford the lamb. And then they repeat every year going back to the temple, not to dedicate Jesus, but just going back to the temple. That's what they do. I've been reading this book called Atomic Habits. And it talks about um, the process to get to a habit, not necessarily the goal itself. We all set goals about this time of the year. And to develop the habits that can help us meet any particular goals, common one is losing weight, or I'm going to ride my bike more, there are certain things that need to become automatic. And we need to learn how to do and do over and over again. So we're not really thinking about it necessarily to get to the goal. Now maybe our goal is more prayer. How do we prepare for that? Maybe we set up a place in our house that has uh, a, a place where we can light a candle and we can uh, develop those habits that we have before we actually pray. These are things that become um, habit for us, but they become spiritual formation for us as well. That we are learning how to be closer to God and listen to what God is, is sharing with us. I think it's important to understand that the journey that they are making to the temple is just as important as what they are presenting in the temple. They're together as a family, they're moving, and they have all this time to think about what's going on before they even get there. It's, it's probably about two weeks after Jesus was born, he was circumcised at eight days. And so when they get to the temple, they have practiced these things. They come back year after year after year. They know the routines that they have to go through, but because it's more automatic, they can focus on listening and focus on hearing with their heart. After he's presented, this new man is, is introduced to us. His name is Simeon. Here's what Simeon offers. <clears throat> A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout, eagerly anticipating the rest restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he, could, he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what, what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servants go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people in Israel. 
Simeon was also righteous and devout. He also prepared and went to the temple regularly. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel. He expected that God would drive out the oppression that was in Israel now and in the future. This restoration points back to the time when the people of Israel were in Babylon and they were in exile. And when the exile ended, Israel was on its way to being restored back to what was intended. That's this restoration language that we're talking about. But after hundreds of years, after they've been back from Babylon, not much has changed, and in some way it's worse. Rome is now in power instead of the Babylonians. Oppression is still happening all over now. But Simeon waits and listens with anticipation. What was he anticipating? The Holy Spirit had revealed that he would not die until he had seen God's chosen Messiah, the Christ. So Simeon waited and listened to God and the Spirit. Simeon knew when to go. He knew who to find. And he knew how to find them by listening. It's a big temple area. He may have known to go to the temple. He may have been called there. But the big temple area, including the outside porticos and the gathering areas and things like that, are about 35 acres. Now, because there's some football going on yesterday and today and tomorrow, I, I can put it into a context there. That's about 23 football fields. <laughs> he had been listening, and now he's following. He's responding. So the time for Simeon to see the Christ has come. And he takes Jesus into his arms, if you can imagine that. Hmm. And he proclaims, my eyes have seen your salvation. This in Latin is called the nunc dimittis. It means now dismiss. Your promise has been fulfilled to me, God. You have given me this child and shown me this child, prepared this salvation for all peoples. And it just keeps getting better and better, what he says, that this child will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people in Israel. For everyone, not just for the Jewish people, not just for those who are at the temple, but for everyone. This is a common theme in Luke, that everyone is welcome into the grace and glory of God. So Simeon listened and shared in a song-like praise. He's holding Jesus and he says, here it is, here it is. He is. Here is this revelation and light and salvation. But he says more too, and Simeon shares it with Mary. Hear this. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed 
and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. This child will grow to be, and will be a sign that generates opposition. Letting Mary know that there's coming conflict and he's telling you that you will be a part of that life. That conflict will be a part of his life and will actually be the cause of the falling and the rising of many. The falling being the conflict that will occur with what this child has come to share what we know as his ministry and the opposition and the understanding and redefinition of what God has always meant about compassion and love. But the rising, oh, the rising, seeing things in a new light and understanding the love of God in a new way, the lessons to be learned about compassion and justice and new life and new creation... What Simeon asked Mary to listen to is not the conflict, not the falling, but the hope, the rising that can lift us up after a fall. We're not talking yet about the resurrection. Simeon is telling Mary to listen. Listen and observe. There's a rising after the fall. And Simeon has seen that. He's been coming to the temple for years in response to the Spirit's promise to share prayers, to listen for the next step. And here it is, this child that has come to be presented, to be dedicated to God as a firstborn. Hold on, Mary, there's going to be conflict. But the rise in the midst of that conflict, the hope that this child will bring, this is what I've been waiting to see. This is what was promised. This is what I listened for and responded. And then we hear another person, a prophetess, who has also listened and responded. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years, and she was now 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna basically lived at the temple. She's 84. She's a widow since her husband died. They had been married seven years she fasted and she prayed all night. She listened and she too knew what she was looking for. And she's a prophetess, which means that she's going to share what she found. I'm, I'm intrigued that Luke doesn't just recognize the male here, not just Simeon, but also the woman, Anna. Luke tends to do that. He tends to give us both the male and the female counterspot, maybe not equally, but he does bring that out. And I'm encouraged by that because I think it tells us that we can learn something from each. <clears throat> she likely heard Simeon, but because she had been listening for so long, she knew what she had been praying for and recognized what was coming to be presented in a different way than Simeon did. And her response was to speak to others around the area who were also praying and waiting. 
have to wonder if she thought, would they listen? Would they respond? And how would they respond? How do we? It's interesting that both of these encounters happen amongst a community of people in the temple. They don't happen out in a field or as they're walking along a a road somewhere or on a quiet night somewhere, but among people with whom the good news can be shared immediately. Simeon wasn't one of the ones who was able to see Jesus at the birth. He was still waiting at that time, but he was waiting and listening and praying with a community of people in the temple. Same with Anna. Anna had been with these people for years in her grief and undoubtedly her struggles as a single widow. It makes me think how important community is when we're looking for a hope that we don't think we can grab to on our own. That was one of the reasons that we traditionally have on December 21st, which is the the winter solstice, a service of longest night and also known as a blue Christmas. We had that this year and we were able to share a new way of being in community together. We had a table down here, we had candles, we read liturgy, we read scripture, we sang, and we asked each person to put a prayer or put something that was keeping them down on a blue post-it. And when they wrote that down, they tore the page off and placed it on these altars. And the reason that Mike Langman and I decided to do that was because when you go back to sit, you see that you are not alone, that there are others who are reaching for hope and needing community. After the blue Christmas, the service of longest night, we scatter and we go about our own ways, but with the acknowledgement that something, something is sparked that night, that we listen to each other and we listen to God, that maybe something new is coming out of our ministries here at Arapahoe. What does it feel like? What do you think Simeon felt like to see the beginning of something new? That something new was happening and imagine the completion of that ahead of time. What must it have felt like for Simeon and Anna and the others at the temple to to see the beginning of a new time when Christ was presented? This week the church office was closed as the staff rests and imagines how we can continue to share God's light out in the world. We listen, we rest, we listen for God and the Spirit. And in my listening this week, I read a short devotional about Simeon and Anna. What new thing comes after the listening? Here's what the reading shared. After Simeon took Jesus into his arms... Then Simeon, who lived a life of listening, became a teacher of the song he knew. He sang into the hearts of those who came carrying more than they knew. His song was a gift to the church called the Nunc Dimittis. From the first words of the song in Latin, now let your servant depart depart in peace. We've always thought 
that he was saying it was time to die. Because Luke told us that Simeon was promised that he wouldn't die until he heard what he was listening for. But maybe he's simply saying, I'm done listening. I've heard all I need to hear. I've heard the voice of the one who sings a song of salvation, who chants the chorus of redemption. My ears are full. He may be done listening, but he isn't done singing. He has to teach the song to those who will sing it. And his colleague Anna teaches it to all who are around them, running from one to another to make sure they sing too. You can't stand silent in this worship service. You can't have closed lips for this hymn that they sing. It doesn't matter whether you think you can sing or not. We need to learn the tune. The falling and the rising, the major, the minor key, that which makes us smile and that which evokes a tear. We need to sing. Might as well our inner thoughts are revealed anyway. Simeon says so. And he ought to know he's been listening to those inner thoughts his whole life. And now he sings the song he's learned by ear. It does take time to learn how to listen, but it's worth the effort. The spirit rested on Simeon, Luke says, rested, not stirred up, not agitated or poked or prodded, but rested. Maybe if we listen more to the spirit, the voice of God, we might know the rest and the peace that Jesus has promised. But we can also learn to sing. Because for every falling, for every conflict, for every oppression, there is a response arising, a song. I want to ask what song do you sing after you listen and rest? What song is coming to your heart after this week? Do you sit with the lonely or those who need care to listen to their stories? Do you stir up good trouble to bring relief to an unjust world? Maybe you share a meal with someone you don't know well to understand those differences, to break through tensions, to reconcile relationships. Or maybe you encourage someone who's struggling. Simeon and Anna listened and followed what they heard, and then they shared, asking, do you hear what I hear? Do you know what I know? From the little lamb, to the shepherd boy, to the mighty king, to the people everywhere. My prayer for you this New Year's Eve is that you listen and that you really hear and that you step out in courage to share what you've heard with all of your senses and your heart. Amen. Amen.